It is the Play On podcast at Podcast Play On, your fortnightly football podcast on all streaming platforms. Don't forget to like, subscribe, share as we get you through the week. Don't forget also the Beer Up and Banter podcast, alternative weeks by myself, Ben English and Cal. Hope all your listeners are well, enjoying the football over the weekend. Back to work, as always, stay safe. And we have, as always, Cal. How's, how's it going, sir? You right? All good. How's, how are you doing, yourself? Really good, man. Enjoying the Sunday. Um, bit bit baffled as well. There's only one game on the Sunday, but we, we can talk about that in a bit. But really good, really good. And Ash, how you getting on, sir? What up, what up, what up? Nice, nice, nice. Um, and we have another special guest, as always. I'm going to pass it to Ash, who's been kind enough to sort this out and, and introduce the main man himself. Yeah, man. Um, he's back for his second appearance. Um when he came on last time, there was a lot of um, laughs about whether he's a Crystal Palace or a Man United fan. Um, I think he changes every every time he comes on here. Um, but yeah, just big up to my boy, best friend Jason, in the house. Hey, people. Thanks, Ashram. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, Cal. Really great to be here again, man. Like, I enjoy the podcast. I listen to it solidly. So to be part of the show, um, you know, I'm really grateful for the for you lot um, accommodating me and the hospitality, man. Nice, nice. And Ash, well, for those who've listened before, they know your teams, but as Ash alluded to, you're sort of torn between <laughs> a rose and a fawn, as it were, <laughs> with the teams. Um, just, <laughs> just expand. Thanks. <laughs> I think that's the saying. Anyway, just try to exp- uh, just, just let people know like your your team and then sort of your um, your current situation with the teams you're following. Yeah, man, yeah, man. So, officially a Man United fan. I've been with them since about eight years old or so. So, I've seen the real glory years and I've seen what it is to be a real fan since about 2013, um, which is not great experience, but there's always love for Manchester United. And then, yeah, I moved to Croydon, South Norwood, around eight years ago. So, I just picked myself up a a little season ticket um, at the Eagles, Crystal Palace. So, I go there. And I've now got a little season ticket for my little boy. Yeah, um, so we go. We went to the game yesterday. So it's nice, man. I'm a, I'm a, I suppose a, a Man United definitely, but Crystal Palace. There's, there's much love, much love. And and as I say, I've got a little kit for my little boy. So yeah, yeah, Palace second team for real. Wicked, wicked. And you know what's funny, Ben? The way you made it sound was like, you know when it's it's complicated? <laughs> that's, that's how you set up, like, it was like this complicated marriage between Palace and, like, Crystal Palace is his side team. It's his lover, it's his lover and he's, not to get him in trouble with them, it's, it's his lover and his wife, isn't it? It's, <laughs> every man needs a hobby, isn't it? So, no, that's, that's big. And it's good you're saying about you getting your son a, a kit and whatnot. So, um, he, he he's supporting Palace and a, a big... Big result yesterday. Just sort of, uh, as always with our guests, as you know, we like to get them to expand on their most recent game and sum it up in three words. I'm, I'm assuming you was at the uh, game yesterday against Spurs? Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. I mean, my three, years, three words, sorry, for Palace is probably um, solid start of the era. You know, I must say that we got battered by Chelsea, but, you know, they it was the first game of the season. New team, adjusting, drew with Brentford, you know, drew with West Ham and then, absolutely battered Spurs yesterday. Like, I think Spurs played well for like the first minute. As I was saying before, like, you know, um, Royale had Zaha, I wouldn't even say in his pocket, but, you know, in his pocket for about a minute or so. 
And then after that, it was just all Palace. Gallagher is is a good player. Um, what what I've really noticed is the strength and depth on on our bench. You know, like um, Eze is injured. Elise was was there. Edward. Um, we've got Luca on the bench. So last season, it was just a little bit boring if I'm if I'm honest with you. But this season looks seems to be so much better. I'm liking the refresh. I'm liking the the young players that that are around. So. Yeah, I think Palace will, will under Vieira, will, will do okay this season. It was nice to be out yesterday, football in the sun, just back with the fans singing, cheering. So yeah, man, yeah, it was it was it was nice. It was nice. Edward, little double as well. I know we'll get into the game afterwards, but everything was just perfect. It was perfect yesterday. Nice, nice. I think that was the big thing with Vieira joining. <clears throat> excuse me, and he wanted to bring a new brand of football to Palace, who have had Roy over the years, and obviously. They've just sort of been trying to keep in the prem and just keep going. Uh, but he really wanted to to bring some exciting, expanding football and bring the youth players through. And I'm I'm happy to see Mitchell carry on his run from last season. Um, everyone who knew about fantasy football, sort of cheap players from last season, um, Mitchell and and Palace always seem to get a lot of talent in this in the South London region. So um, really good to see that. Um, just touching in first of all. The uh, Spurs coming back from the international break. Now, international break can either go one or two ways, I feel, with teams. It's either they come out of the traps flying and they've had, you know, a few weeks to prepare and, and they're just on it. Or players have come back, they're a bit jaded and they weren't really at the horses. And it seems that Spurs, like you were saying, weren't really on it. And Palace were just fighting every ball, the fans behind them. And, and Zaha finally sort of started to step up as the game progressed. Would you agree that's what happened? Yeah, definitely. Like Tottenham just looked out of sorts want for a better term Deli Ali was was there um, didn't really do too much Lucas Moura was probably their best player every time he got the ball he was exciting um, I think Harry Kane has actually joined Man City already because boy I didn't even see him yet like, like what no shot poor absolutely dreadful the the centre backs you know lacking experience even though Tanganga is is decent lacking experience out of the world's gone vertonga has gone you know David Sanchez is, is I don't even know where he is so I don't know Tottenham just just they they started off the season pretty well with with three wins yeah and you know is is a decent manager but I I, I think there was a little bit of luck and I think yesterday kind of showed not where they're necessarily going to be this season like getting battered but I can't really see Tottenham finishing more than seventh, um, if I'm honest. Mm. They were missing. They were missing Sun. Um, Ash, did you did you see the game? What was your thoughts on sort of the Tanganga and Zaha clash? Um, and then that sort Zaha of then didn't want it. Where didn't want the smoke, did he? <laughs> he was not on that smoke. Um, I think he touched on a big point. I think Sun missing is huge for Tottenham. Um, he has really been a catalyst for them at the start of the season. Um, in Harry Kane's kind of absence, um, obviously I think he scored two two winners um, and contributed a little bit to the goal in the in the Wolves game. Um, yeah, Palace have been warming nicely. I think that first game against Tottenham against Chelsea, you have to write off. Um, I think they would have been slightly disappointed not to maybe have got three points against Brentford. Away to West Ham, a point is a very good result. Like we saw what they did to Leicester just a few days before that, beat them 4-1. And to get Tottenham there, obviously the, the selling off is going to help. Then obviously you got the penalty. But as soon as those kind of came in, Edwards kind of come in with a track record of scoring like goals in Scotland. Yeah, I'm 
I'm happy. I'm happy for Palace. Like I've got a lot of I've got a lot of time for Palace. Obviously, Vieira being the manager is, is is important as a former Arsenal legend. So yeah, it's a great. It's a, actually I think it's a very good start for them to have five points. I think they're probably where they thought they were going to be at, but maybe they get the win against Brentford and not Tottenham. Mm. Cue cue Patrick Vieira memes. That smiling one. You know the one where he's standing at the wall smiling. It's sort of like the new Wenger one. So whenever he does well and. Uh, Palace fans, were you were you part of the the chance about he's won more than you or you know Patrick Vieira's got more titles than you? I, I don't know. I was I heard there was something from the from the fans uh, towards the Spurs fans about Vieira winning more. Yeah, yeah, we were we were golding them. <laughs> <laughs> but you know my little boy's to my right, so I got to keep it down a bit. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the Tottenham fans got it yesterday completely, and you know just the fans being back. I know I mentioned it already, but the ultras. Are, are there, you know, keeping the, the, the beat of the whole ground and the cheering back and forth. Spurs fans were quiet yesterday because they realised that their team were just absolutely atrocious. And then I should mention about the sending off and and the penalty. But before then, you know, we should have been one or two goals up already. So I know Spurs fans mm. say, ah, oh, you know, we got, we got a man sent off and all that. But really, mm. it could have been worse for them yesterday. Yeah, that Gallagher chance first half where Zaha sent sent one of the fullbacks uh, with a step over and um, nice. No, it's looking positive, Palace, and also some competition up front now. Benteke um, having to sort of figure it out now as as Edwards is pulling out a cut two goals. Um, so from one clean sheet in the London derby to another clean sheet um, with Arsenal, Norwich. I'm going to go over to Cal. Uh, sort of before the game started, there was obviously. A lot of talk about this being a six-pointer relegation battle. A lot of banter being thrown the Arsenal fans' way. Um, Arteta saying, you know, the past 10, 14 days were the best days of his coaching careers. He saw players really, you know, digging deep and he learned a lot about the team. A lot of players were back from injury and illness. I mean, what was your thoughts of the game, a 1-0 win? Yeah, I was going to mention that that quote from Arteta there. Uh, I did think maybe he's so happy because he thinks he saved his job. (laughs) <laughs> seven days of his managerial career so far boys have kept him in the job keeping feeling on the table um, or you know maybe it's just starting to click because he, he's had a difficult time I think you know some people have short memories and maybe forget that he won the FA Cup and he did get his boys playing some absolutely sexy football but was it sustainable? you got to remember it's a team that had players that were underperforming under Wenger, underperforming under um, Emery, underperforming under Lundberg. He came in and, you know, you get that new manager lift, but then they kind of went back to their regular kind of mode. And now I was quite happy that, you know, we had a transfer window where we managed to bring in a lot of players. I think the reality is Arsenal are no longer that team that competes with the best teams in the league. You know, you look at the top of the league and you think there's quite a few teams that are better than Arsenal. But, you know, we've got a few players in, five Arteta signings, um, new look defence, you know, uh, Gabriel and White at centre-half with Ramsdale behind them. I was really excited to see how that was going to work. And the new boy, Tommy Yasu, as well, just got the clearance from his uh, work permit and got in. Um, and uh, I thought they looked quite solid, man. Tommy Yasu had a little effort on goal. You know, he was getting full. Loads of players were getting forward. Um, I saw a stat that literally only two outfield players didn't have a shot on goal. Like, literally, just Odegaard and 
uh, and White were the only players that didn't shoot, mm. which is kind of amazing. And um, I think on the balance of the game, we created chart after chart after chart. There was so much attacking play. It kind of looks like things might work. Aubameyang scored one. It was an absolutely terrible goal, you know, sort of bobbling around in the box. But he had some great chances. Like, we could have scored three or four in this match. And I don't think we looked as defensively frail as we have done previously. Um, on top of that, you know, Maitland-Niles probably isn't the best centre midfielder in the world. And Lukonga, is, he, he, he plays well, but, you know, he's still learning in the Premier League and he's going to grow as the season goes on. So you'd think, you know, if we can get maybe Xhaka and, and Partey back in the midfield, then we're going to improve again. So I think I'm just grateful that things have started to click. There's some some great football being played. I saw uh, Emil Smith Rowe come off the bench and uh, and play really well uh, as well. So yeah, man, I'm, I'm I'm quite encouraged by that performance. Nice. I mean, Ash, we had uh, 30 shots um, altogether with 10, I believe, or so being on target, but only one goal. I mean, watching it, did you feel towards the end it was going to be like, oh, dear, here we go again. They're sort of leaving it too close uh, for Norwich. And then with Ben uh, Ben White leaving that, dumb, you know, dumbing the ball for Pookie to sort of put it over only for Gabriel to to fly in front of the ball. I mean, what was your thoughts on the, the new Le Castle, as it were, playing in front of a packed Emirates Stadium? Um, yeah, I'm going to reserve my judgment. Um, I've been very kind of forthright at my views. It's it's a win, a much-needed win. Um, it's three points. It's 1-0 against Norwich, um, who I think are the weakest team in the league at the moment. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. I think... The, the what what needs to happen now is the consistency of lineup. So like we said, if we're gonna do this whole the new right back, White, Gabriel, Tierney, I need to see this I need to see that as a starting lineup for the next five games. If Ramsdale's number one, then he stays as a goalkeeper for as as the number one. Um obviously like Kyle said, there needs to be some um, improvements in terms of like Partey and Xhaka coming back into that midfield. But yeah, I just wanna I just wanna settle team, a settled side. Um, but yeah, it was it was good to get three points on the board. Nice, Jay. What's your thoughts from a sort of outside looking in um, with the recent performance and then yesterday's one 0 win over Norwich? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, every time I listen to you lots of podcasts, I, I think Cal is is amazing. I mean, his spin for Arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> Someone has to. Hey, listening to you, I, I think Arsenal about seconds. You know what I'm saying? I mean, Arsenal. It's, you know, I grew up watching Arsenal, the Fergie years, the Wenger years, and maybe I would think that that's where Arsenal should be, and that's probably not the best thing to, to think about anymore. But I, I kind of agree with Ashley. It was it was Norwich who probably are the worst team since like Swindon in in, in the Premier League. Um, they're just atrocious. It was a good win, you know, one nil at home. My thoughts about Ramsdale buying Ramsdale as a keeper, mm. I, I'm just, I just, I just don't, I just don't get it. Party, I think he's a good player, but he's always injured. Xhaka gave him a new contract. He gets, he, he's worse than Ramos when it comes to his red cards. I love Aubameyang though, you know, I really do love Aubameyang, and and I think that if you can get him firing, Arsenal will will, will be will, will have a good season. I had a conversation with Ashley the other day actually about where Arsenal got to finish. <sighs> I still think you can get top six, 
But it's going to be a, a tricky season. You need Lacazette and Aubameyang to, to, to fire. Top six, wow. Well, look, the, point Ram, <laughs> the point of Ramsdale, I just kind of want to say in the first half, I saw a lovely piece of skill from Ramsdale where a player was closing him down and he just sidestepped past him and laid it off. So what Ramsdale brings is that, is that, <laughs> that, that kind of element that... Edison, I'm not saying he's on the same level, but the kind of element that Edison brings to Manchester City, this is what Arteta has been missing. This is kind of, I think, the key to his plan because we have Martinez, who is brilliant for us doing that. And then when Martinez left, you saw Leno wasn't so great at playing the ball out of the back and being comfortable on the ball. And Ramsdale seems to be an improvement in that area. Mm. I think, yeah, I think a lot of, well said, yeah, a lot of managers now are looking for keepers who can beat the press who can play that ball in. I mean, he did it, Ramsdale did it in his uh, debut against West Brom's kids in the cup. All right, it was it was that. But just sort of yesterday as well, the ball at his feet, getting out of the press, and also Leno on the bench, not signing a new contract, looking to get rid of him in the summer, possibly. Uh, Lacazette not signing a new contract. Arsenal, um, millions and millions of pounds going just for free. Uh has to be seriously looked at. Uh, but, you know, let's concentrate on the positives. It's a win. Uh, Burnley away will be interesting as a sort of a bit of rough and tumble. And then the big game comes in the North London derby. Uh, we shall see where Arteta and the boys are after three or four games. Moving on, uh, a team that's sort of would usually be associated with rubbing shoulders and jostling for position with the likes of Palace, but Brighton, uh, getting a nosebleed at the current position of fourth. Nine points with a, a late, late winner against newly promoted Brentford. Now, this I felt for Brentford. This is one of them games that, you know, they knocked at the door. They were trying, they were trying, they were trying. OK, this probably got nil-nil. We'll take the point and move on. And then only to concede a last-minute uh, loss there. Um, this is the type of luck that you don't get. And uh, Brighton, looking, Brighton looking good, Ash. And uh, Potter, Potter paper. Harry Potter, whatever you want to call him, his beard is looking strong. He's, he's looking good, man. You can see why Spurs were interested in him and, uh, you know, Brighton keep pushing on another clean sheet. Yeah, no, I think it's really important that um, we look at what Potter's done because there was a Chris shooting stuff and he obviously kept them in the league. And then at the stage, he was like, what are we going to do? And they got rid of him. And he has struggled for a couple of seasons now, but they've got a genuine like, settled squad. Um, again, they lost Ben White to us, but they've been able to use that money to to bolster the squad to make it a bit better. They've got like some really good players there. And Trossard's goal was top quality. Like I love how it got played into him. He used the he used the um centre back as a screen, whipped it past um Raja. Yeah, like Brighton, 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 yeah, they should they should they should do well. They should consolidate. It shouldn't really be a relegation battle for them this season. It should be them maybe trying to push into that comfortable mid table zone. Um, I still thought I need a few more goals. Um, I still think if you're relying on kind of Empire um, and Welbeck to be your main your main hitters, you're going to struggle at times. But yeah, they look good. And um, Brentford were unlucky. Tony had an outrageous effort from near the halfway line that nearly went in. Um, I felt a bit sorry for them. But yeah, but Brentford, they've got what five five points, four five points from the start of the season. Yeah, they're good, man. I think I think both teams have had a good start, and we'll see what happens in the next few games for them. Mm. I think it's a lesson. I think they'll learn from this where Brighton didn't give up. You keep going, you keep going, you keep going, which is indicative of so many teams in the Prem and 
Right, and, yeah, Brentford just switched off and then a great goal, by the way. Great goal popping up and, uh, you know, another clean sheet. Um, ben White, I said in one Arsenal group, they, you pay 50 million, Arsenal didn't buy him for his defending. Um, and it's clear to see where Brighton have just stayed so strong with Dunk and the other players there. Sanchez in goal, good for f- cheap fantasy football points. Um, and yeah, they kick on. Um, I'm going to move swiftly on and pass it to Cal. Uh, the game of the two cities, Leicester, at home to Man City now. All this talk of Harry Kane going to Man City, needing a striker. Um, Jesus was playing in that nine, but seemed to have moved wide and he was getting points and goals. Torres, um, another score has popped up. This time, Bernardo Silva, who's, you know, for me, just a magic player when he was at Monaco, what he does for Portugal. Great goal in the international break. We were talking off air. And uh, City just sort of, Grinding out the wins, winning not say ugly as it were, but just getting them tough, tough away wins to a to an impressive Leicester City. Yeah, I think uh, with Pep having made uh, some changes in his team, you know, it, it seems like he's not sure what his best eleven is right now. And um, maybe it always seems like he's not sure what his best eleven <laughs> is with his Pep roulette. But uh, we saw Grealish playing in central midfield in that midfield three, and now we've seen Bernardo playing in that midfield three. Um, you know, Torres and Jesus seem to kind of rotate up front a little bit. Um, and um, yeah, I didn't watch the whole game, but seeing some of the highlights, it kind of looked like, you know, they're not quite at their 100% level yet, which will probably come with time and games and form. Um, Leicester, on the other hand, I think they're playing quite well at the moment. And we're yet to see what these new signings are bringing to their team. I'm still very curious about this Pats and Dakar and how things are going to work out there. I'm still, you know, not really sure about what's going on with I Nacho after having such a great second half to the season. He's just on the bench and we're seeing a lot more of Barnes um, and even Albrighton. Maybe it's just form, you know, like the manager's going to see what's going on in training and pick his team accordingly, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't think that Leicester were bad. I think it was just, you know, you played arguably the best team in the league, one of the best teams in Europe, and, you know, you, you would defeat it. I think with Barnes, it's probably his work rate, um, and, and he does like him a lot. I mean, he's been unlucky this season where he was the golden boy for, as Ash and I know, sort of our, uh, how we had him in high esteem with fantasy. He's not really not really done it so far, but I think his work rate where in actual would be a slightly different player. And uh, it's just not clicking for Leicester. Um, Ash, uh, the Vardy goal was was disallowed, I believe, and then mm. um, your main man Pep um, not overthinking it per se. I think the the back five are pretty solid. He keeps swapping Laporte and Stones. Um, Laporte maybe arguably the better defender, where Stones probably better on the ball. And then Gundogan and Rodri is set, and then it's a rotation between the four: Silva, Jesus, Torres, Grealish playing, floating in and out, and Sterling on the bench. What, what was your thoughts on on those two? I think this is the first time Pep's done three the lineup the same lineup for three games in a row in the Premier League. Mm. Um, he's much, listening to you. He obviously listens to the play, pod and he's like, yeah. <laughs> much to my annoyance because I've got Morris. <laughs> um, so don't listen to me now, bro. Um, I think <laughs> I think we need to. I think once their main man Kevin De Bruyne is back in that team, then we're gonna see what they're really gonna do this season because. As far as I'm concerned, he's the one person you can guarantee to start. I think Grealish with the price tag is now probably the second person who's guaranteed to start. 
that's in the, that's in like the attacking spaces. I think Edison, Diaz, Cancelo will tend to be the ones defensively that will start. Rodri, I mm. think, is going to play a big role this season. Yeah. And obviously Gundogan or Gundaclark, as Kyle calls him. Um, <laughs> he got to start also... calling him Gunda, Gunda 2 because he can't be Gunda 1 anymore. Gunda 2, <laughs> Gunda 3, Gunda 4, Gunda yeah. everything. <laughs> yeah, no, he's, he's so good. Yeah. So, But I think, I think because even like Torres, so Torres is the person who's playing primarily through the centre with, with Jesus on the right. But Jesus isn't, Jesus was the person who we thought was going to be the striker. So I just need to see once, I think this week in the Champions League and then next week at home to Southampton will allow people to really see what the shape of City is because after that they go away to Chelsea and then they go away to Liverpool in their next two games after that. So we'll really get a, a sense of where they're at um, after those games. Nice. Um, just moving on then, Jay, this this has worked ki- kindly in favour of the next game, Man United... Hey. Got, this 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 is why the number ten rolled me. I just give it give it back. Get it, give it back, lay it off. Now there was a there was a lot of banter flying around on social media. Obviously, Newcastle gonna be in the firing line. Uh there were some images of Newcastle being a said young lady and lots of uh <laughs> young men standing behind the in the position as Cristiano Ronaldo, Greenwood, Bruno, etc. Um but the, all the talk is about the goat. Feed the goat. And I'm not talking about Sean Goal. I'm talking about the real goal, Cristiano and his return. Were, were you happy to see? Obviously, you were happy goal. to see. Uh, not my goal. I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously, did you think he was going to start one? And then what was your thoughts on um, how the game developed? Because Newcastle came out. They were playing some good counter-attacking football. They got a goal on the break. Willock had a chance to maybe square it. Um, so what was your thoughts on those two? So yeah, far. man. I, well, like, like we were talking off air first, like, like yourself, I thought that he was going to come on 70 minutes, get a 20 minute run out, maybe score. So I was a bit surprised when he actually started um, and I didn't bring him into my fantasy team, which, which is really nice. <laughs> I thought that was going to happen. Everyone's um, same, yeah. <laughs> but it was so good to just see Ronaldo return, firstly. Like, he's just an absolute legend of the club. Like I'm excited that, that he is back. Cavani, I've got to rate Cavani on, on the pod as well because you gave up your number seven just so the real G can have his seven back. So it's just like being at 22 again. I see, I see Ronaldo just on the wing playing at Old Trafford. It's amazing. Yeah, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. The team's looking strong. I, I, I'm just excited. I think I'm probably probably here because this is what Ronaldo can, can do. In terms of Newcastle, I mean, I, every time I play Newcastle, I, I expect to smack them up every every single every single time. So it was just just par for the course, really. They did look they did look good. They did look good yesterday, and I, I, without troubling the Newcastle fans, Steve Bruce, I think, is doing an all, all right job up there. You know, mm-hmm. his hands are tied. His hands are tied, mm-hmm. but I think he's doing an all right job. And the fact that he actually beat Benitez's record over the past you know season and a half or so getting points and you know comfortably staying up I think he's got to have put, put some respect on his name as, as they say mm. but it's coming to Old Trafford you know when when you got Greenwood you got Sancho Pogba Fernandez now Ronaldo our defense is looking looking solid it, it's, it's, it's I think people need to be afraid of Man United this season um, Big time. And, and, and Newcastle <laughs> Newcastle were just a team that just have to get it, you know. We have to just swat these teams away, you know. Without trying to disrespect Newcastle, we've got to swat them away and and you know make sure that that we turn up for the for the bigger games. 
How much of an impact do you think Varane has had to this Man United defence? I don't think he's had that much of an impact right now, like, but, but he will. I think that Maguire and Varane, could, we could be going back to days of, of Vidic and Rio Ferdinand. Where, I mean, if, if you're comparing tri- you know, the triangles, uh, I compare Gabriel White and Ramsdale. <laughs> with, with, oh, well. <laughs> that's, that's not even a triangle. That's like the little thing that you play in a music lesson in primary school. That's the little... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> you know, but then you've got the Hay, Maguire, Varane, Shaw, he's, you know, the past 18 months he's coming to his own. Ambesaka, we know his limitations are, you know, going forward, but he's probably the best defender or defending player at the club. So, so, so yeah, I, I think that with Varane again, it's, it's, it's that commanding presence, a World Cup winner. So I, I think all that being said, Manchester United are, are going to do all right this season. It was Ash. What was your thoughts on sort of that midfield of like um, Matic, Matic, um sort of sitting there? Obviously, experienced player with Chelsea in the past. Maybe not as agile and sort of box to box as he as he used to be, but it's very attacking. I mean, people say that the weak link would be in the Fred McTominay space in the middle of the park, but mm. with this much attacking power going forward and the solidity, the uh, how solid the back five is, arguably the best back five in the league, you could say. I know Liverpool fans might um, have something. And, but, I mean, listen, like you said, Wan-Bissaka, probably the best one-to-one defender in the league. Shaw's most improved since the injuries. Ferran speaks for himself. Maguire speaks for himself. De Gea, you know, between him and uh, and, and um, Henderson, is it, I believe? So, or Heaton. Uh, what, <laughs> what's, what's your thoughts on the uh, the midfield there? So one of the points I made a couple of weeks ago was the balance of the team and not necessarily fully understanding how it would work. Um, And I actually think we saw a little hint of Ronaldo didn't kind of come in as a big I am, was really kind of calm, relaxed, just in the areas where he needs to score. Um, I do think Pogba's best performances have come off the left Mm, that, pivot, um, that double pivot you yeah, said. Yeah, and I just think in some of the bigger games, they're going to have to reinforce the area behind Bruno. And as a result, it means a Greenwood's not going to play or a Sancho's not going to play because Ronaldo's going to play. We know Fernandez is going to play. Pogba, in terms of it being a creative force and being like just the, 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 the big brand he is, I think he's got to play. So what it, what it essentially means is there's one position in that front four up for grabs, and that's between Rashford, Greenwood, um, Sancho, Martial, um, Cavani. It's 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 quite staggering to be fair. Um, <laughs> yeah, and Jason's laughing. It's it's a it's it's a lot. Um, I do I do I do think. I'd, I'm I'm happy for the narrative, and I think I did say that when, when when we saw the story of Ronaldo, I said it's a wonderful story. I just worried about the impact it has on the players. So far, we've not seen that that impact. Um, again, I'm gonna I'm gonna reserve my judgment for a little while on this, but it's a great it's a great um, homecoming for some of those people's goats. Mm. I, I think it is. Sorry, go on, Ben. No, no, go on, sorry, Karen. Obviously. I was going to say, yeah, I, th- I think it is. It, it's like a real Roy of the Rovers kind of story, you know, like the prodigal son returns to his former club 
and absolutely smashes its scores on his debut. And, and it wasn't just that he scored, it was the performance. It's the way that, you know, people were thinking, okay, this guy's finished now. Like, what's he going to bring to the team? And you see him bursting through the middle, getting onto through balls, running at players, doing the step overs and showing skills, inspiring. I saw Sancho starting to get inspired and him starting to be like, well, if you got step overs, I'm going to show you about step overs too. So I can see that he's lifting the players around him and he's inspiring great performances from, from the others. And he's putting the ball in the back of the net as well. This is going to be an absolutely ridiculous season for United because I think with Ronaldo now, they've actually got great players in every position on the pitch. And not just that, but they've got the backup players too. Because when Ronaldo's out or when you're rotating him, because your concern will be as a 36-year-old man, and we know he's athletic and we know he's fit and he's looked after himself, but will he be able to do it week in, week out to the end of the season? So it's perfect that you've got Cavani that can step in when they play in the Champions League, when they play in the League Cup and these other competitions. And then I was thinking with Lingard, well, this is a guy, you know, he's had a good season at West Ham. You should have let him go. Like, it would have been a good move for all parties. But when I saw him come off the bench, join into a, what may, might have been the best move of the game, and mm. then just show some lovely feet and composure to skip past the defender and, and, and finesse it into the... I just said, wow. So now when Fernandez is being arrested, Lingard can come in and, and keep the level high, you know? And you've still got... Um, Rashford to come in. I still think yeah. Man United should be challenging for the title. This game, for me, just really oh, shows that they do have everything that they need to win the title. If they if they actually don't put in a good challenge, it's probably more Solskjaer's fault than anything, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Can I jump onto that point as well? I think I actually think the biggest signing is Varane. I think Varane is a thoroughbred of a centre back, and I think he's going to really transform. So I think he does. Going back to the point that um, Ben asked me about, having Varane there instead of Lindelof, who I think was playing really well, just means you can ha- maybe have a little bit more adventure in the midfield because you've got such a far bit of a centre-back. And my last point is, is um, the return of Ronaldo, I think the Newcastle goalkeeper had him as captain on fantasy. Because <laughs> what he did for two of those goals, man said, hey, I want 26 points. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care what he said. He said, I, as he said, yo, Ronaldo's scoring a brace today. <laughs> I don't care what happens. I'm just going to not make it look too bad. Did, did anyone get Ronaldo in their team? No. A couple of people have done it, though. No, What's same, his name? Same, Woodman? A hey, Woodman Blaine, he had him maybe even triple captain. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't with him. Would about Woodman, I wouldn't with him. Um <laughs> talking to Ronaldo, international news. Uh you know, we had this discussion about goat talk as always. Cristiano Ronaldo broke the world record for goals scored in men's international football as he hit his hundred and tenth and hundred length goal in Portugal in their dramatic two one World Cup qualifying win over the Republic of Ireland in the midweeks international uh, two late headers uh, broke sort of the hearts of the Irish and he keeps popping up whether it's a header uh, whether it's a tap in from the first goal from a Greenwood shot which as sort of our last guest Seth was saying about it's important that Greenwood continues to develop and, and I believe that will happen uh, or whether it's sort of running in on goal and putting it through the keeper's legs he keeps scoring he keeps getting goals and he's done it on an international level he's doing it on the club level, he's doing it uh, throughout. Um, just quickly, I'm going to go around the three of you, uh, and I'm going to start with Jaden, then Ashton, Cal. How many goals in the Prem do you think? Just Prem, not Champions League. How many Prem goals do you think Ronaldo's going to get this season? Go. Twenty. 
Oh, one at a time, one at a time, one at a time, gentlemen. Ash. Oh, who does I say first? Jay, sorry, Jay, go. That's right. 20, I think it's, yeah, I think it's going to get 20 goals. He's definitely going to pick up braces and hat-tricks. It's going to make it look so simple this season. 20, 20 goals. Wow. Okay. It's the goal. It is the goal, man. I, like, I knew this was going to happen, man. I told you guys, everyone was doom and gloom. Oh, no, no, no. No, man. I said, it's the coming of the goal, the second coming of the prodigal son. 20-plus goals. Let's go. 20-plus. That's, that's a safe one because that could be 21, 22. Okay, nice. Ash? If he's on penalties, he'll get 24 goals this season. He better not be because I'll captain Bruno. Anyway, and, and here's, here's my last United question, okay? And and when I, rate, when I said this to my brother-in-law yesterday, he looked at me like I was mad. Is Jordan Sancho going to score more than five Premier League goals this season? Yeah. yeah. yeah he's going to score more than 10. No, I think he'll be, I think he'll be like, I think he'll be like eight, like between six and six and eight. But I think he'll get like 10 Premier League assists. I think, I think if you get 18 involvements from Jaden Sancho this season, because I don't think he's going to play lots and lots of games. Um, I think he's going to be rotated. I think he's going to be like draft, like, like brought into English football again, even though he is English. So I think you'll get like 18 goal involvements from him this season. Mm. You know what I thought might impact his goals? Uh, just off the evidence of the Newcastle game. I mean, we know Newcastle are terrible, but Ronaldo and Fernandez are both very goal-minded, selfish players. There's times when I saw Jaden make an absolutely wonderful run and these guys just looked up and hit one. So they're not looking for him. Mm. They're not looking to play the free ball and get mm. him in on goal. He's not going to get as many opportunities mm. as you might think he might get playing in that team. So he, if he's going to score goals, he's going to have to pull his socks up, beat two players and bend it into the top corner. And if he's not going to be able to do that, then I don't think he's going to be scoring more than five goals. I think his chief role is, is a provider. And I feel mm. that's why we we're going to see that he'll probably like double his his goals will be doubled by assists. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think he'll get more assists yeah. than, than than goals than goals. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, moving swiftly on a game that didn't see any goals, unfortunately, uh, a game that probably a lot of people uh, before the game kicked off would have had it down as a goal fest. Southampton drawing nil nil with West Ham. West Ham, the team at the moment. Outside the, you know, quote unquote, bigger teams. Sorry, West Ham fans and family members. Um, man of the moment, player of the month, Mikel Antonio getting sent off um, with some rush challenges um, in the 90, was it 95th, 96th minute. It was quite late. Mm. Um, a frustrating game on both ends. Uh, there's an interesting quote here from Hassan Hootl, who's not wearing a tracksuit, Cal. Roadman Ralph has gone more. What's going on? Wolf of Wall Street here. He's got. He looks like a geography teacher here. He's got. He's like a little. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's got. To be a Lillian Bayless next week, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> come on, kids. Come on, guys. Come on, please. Can we listen? Please sit down. Put your phones away. Um, and he he had a quote here, which uh, maybe some of our listeners can relate to. Not me. A few inches were missed today. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies, gentlemen, he said, I think we had the better chances to win the game. This could have gone either way. Um, Ash, sort of, what was your thoughts on the nil-nil? Exciting game or, because I, I missed this towards the end, I must admit. Yeah, I'm not going to lie, I, I, I ain't seen it yet. Um, I think just the big the big news is Antonio, man. Um, just, he's going to miss one game because it was two yellows, not a straight red. So he misses the game against Man United next week. And I feel like he's going to be a big miss. 
um, yeah. for them. Um, but then he's back the week after. So, yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame. But, um, yeah, there's not really much I can say on that game. Mm. Um, just looking at the pictures now, David Moyes is wearing the tracksuit. So he's sort of rolls revo- roll reversal in it. It's like uh, he's wearing a suited and booted one. And, and Ralph. I'm, I'm, I must say, Roadman Ralph does look very dapper in the waistcoat and, and the button-up shirt. You know, it's, it's a good look for him. Yeah, it looks but, like he's down for a long. We, we, we want to see you back in the tracksuit with the, with the gloves. The skate no, man, man had the skate man gloves. He had the black gloves and the chip of cigarette behind his ear. That's what he, he was doing. Right. When, when it gets colder, you're going to see, right? When the winter time rolls, roll my rough and be back. He looked, like he, was, he looked like he was ready to do like a F64 or spray some bars <laughs> and rinse of him. Hey, I was going to say a Daily Duffy. Oh, yeah, my Daily God. Duffy was loading, bro. <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> and then performing that target show. Uh, well, they missed the target. They missed the target. Southampton missing Danny Ings, uh, Shea Adams, and Armstrong sort of been popping up this season, but too much against the solid West Ham team. And West Ham United fans got to be happy. Um, all right, didn't get the three points, but Southampton they can sometimes get unstuck there. Could go either way, and and they've lost their talisman for a game. Good chance for him to rest up. Um, Another game that was a bit of an odd one for goals, uh, especially for me that brought in Jimenez for Danny Ings. Um, had a few chances. Wolves' run is looking pretty decent in the next three, four games. Um, and they went to Watford and uh, two latest goals, uh, an own goal at 74th minute. And then Hwang Hee Chan, hope I said that correct, popping up for his debut goal in that 83rd minute. And, and Wolves getting off the mark and Watford sort of, not doing it. This is a game that you would maybe expect Watford to, to nick a result with Wolves uh, sort of run a form at the minute or at least a draw. Uh, does anyone want to build on this one before we move it on? Open it to the floor. I'll just say this was like a, a fantasy football fixture for me. One that I was looking at kind of keenly before the game we kicked off because I was thinking with the form that Traore has been in you know if you're into the xg stats and all of that he's got really high xg he seems to get into a lot of goal scoring positions but we know he's finishing poor he doesn't put the ball in the back of the net so going up against Watford you kind of think is this one where Traore might actually start to bang now and unfortunately not um you know with Jimenez playing in a more withdrawn role you'd kind of think there will be more opportunities for the likes of Trincao and Traore to get forward and get goals so maybe going forward we will see the two of those chipping in more in attack um i think um in terms of watford i'm not so sure how good they are man i'm not so sure if they're gonna make it you know they might not make it they might not make it you know and um i did put that dennis in my fpl team just because he was the cheapest player you know when you kind of you build your team around the big hitters i have to try and squeeze lukaku in my team and now i needed to try and save some money somewhere and Dennis was that cheap bargain player that you know is probably going to play all the time and has a, has a goal for it. But 2-0 um, Wolves. And uh, I think Wolves are going to push on to bigger and better things now because they seem to be playing quite well under this new coach. And, um, mm, and just yeah, unlucky, they, do, they look they? hard to beat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're no pushovers. No. Okay. The evening kickoff. Um, Chelsea... At home to Aston Villa. Uh, now, I stupidly had sort of Aston Villa as uh, one of my outsiders to finish in the top six. And I'm really regretting I, I said that. And I'll stick to my guns. But, I, you know, I'll stand by my mistakes. But um, th- this was an interesting game with Villa. They were, you know, they weren't slouches. They came out, 
the traps. They had Watkins um, playing. I think he did really well. Mendy produced a number of saves. There was one double save that looked really good, albeit I think the second one just looked like, I think for the cameras slightly, but um, Chelsea uh, looking at Man United and City and Liverpool's biggest threats. So I'm going to start with Jade. Um, what's your thoughts on Lukaku bagging two and Chelsea rolling on? Yeah, Chelsea yesterday just looked so clinical. I mean, you were talking about Aston Villa had a had a really good start, and they played well throughout the game. You know, they made sure that Mendy earned his money yesterday, and Rudiger and Silva had to you know defend um, resolutely. But when Kovacic passed that through ball, mm. you know, to to Lukaku, Lukaku, one player to beat and a goalkeeper to beat, it's it's going in. And, and and there's a huge difference now with Chelsea when they had Werner last season with Lukaku now. And I think that's going to, to make all the difference. They've got a strong squad, players that, you know, that can, that can come. I, I forgot they had Pulisic, you know. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, they've got Tim, who's, who I think was a, is a fantastic player. They've got Werner, who's, you know, who's decent. They, they, they just look so... Kante has even started this season. You know, they just look so strong. So... Yeah, I think that anybody who who goes who, who's above Chelsea this season, hopefully it's Manchester United, will end up winning the league because they just look so strong. And Lukaku, fair play to him. You know, he was in a bit of a doldrum at Manchester um, United. Didn't really get the love that that he deserved, that he that he required. They didn't really play to his strengths. Smashed it by going to Italy, and you know, and, and showing just what he's made of. Coming back home for you know his, his, his second home, I suppose. And yeah, Chelsea. Tuchel, oh, I, I'm not a Chelsea fan, but I've got to give credit where it's due. And, and Tuchel, when it comes to being tactically aware and astute, he, he's second to Pep in, in the Premier League, it seems. So, yeah, Chelsea, they're going to be a problem this season. They really well, are. That, um, that Kovacic pass for me was the pass of the weekend. But the, the, the way he beat the two players, I think, just to sort of opened his body, got past two and then... Just, just a slight movement and then popped it through. And then Danny, um, Danny Mings, sorry, Tyrone Mings uh, with a lack, uh, poor pass back, sort of loss of concentration, not enough power, and it was put to bed. Um, Ash, this this midfield, I'm just looking at it now, and then Jay sort of talking about the tactics. He, he had hudson Adoy back as a sort of wing back pushing on. Alonso, you know, you're getting solid there. Uh, Saul made his debut. Mount on the bench. So much firepower on the bench. Um, it's an embarrassment of riches almost. Chilwell can't even get it to the team. It's sort of, he can just move move players around, move formations. They're very fluid. They're like water. They're the Bruce Lee water team, yeah. as it were. And they're, and they're the Blues as well. I think we've got three teams with amazing squads in United, um, City and Chelsea. And I think we've got Liverpool that have an amazing 11. Um, and mm. I've spoken really about these four teams. I, I genuinely think we're going to see quite a gap between those four teams and the rest of the league. Um, Chelsea, is, yeah, it's ridiculous. Like like I said, Pulisic, they still got Loftus-Cheek and, Bar- and Barkley there who can't get even close to a kick now. Barkley was one of the standout performers at the start of the season for Aston Villa. Loftus-Cheek has been lauded as this great talent who should be getting more football. They can't, and then you're talking about Pulisic, bro, but then there's Ziyech, there's Havertz, there's Mount, there's, like, it's, it's, it's actually ridiculous. It's, it's, it's actually ridiculous. Um, yeah, I think, I think Sal will grow into it. Like, he's a very good player to pick up. They didn't even need him, but I was just like, hey, we might as well get him. Um, like I said, Kante, Jorginho. And for me, I've been a big fan of Kovacic. Um, 
was it last? Was no? Was it last season? I think the season before, I put him in as one of the best central midfielders in the league. Like he he made my team in the season, and a lot of people were, were a bit shocked by that. But I was like, no, I think he's had an exceptional season, and he's had a very good start to this season. Um, and yeah, I think he could be a really crucial player for them. Um, they've got some big games coming up as well. They've got Tottenham away, then they've got Man City at home. Yeah, let's, that that defense is going to be tested, but they're looking good. They're looking mm. really good. Technically, he's sublime, and then he also allows mm. the the quicker players, the sort of more direct flair players, just to do their thing. And as Jay said, like with Lukaku, he had you know he had the uh, the defender on on ice, sort of cut inside, put it home with Werner. You know, Werner's going to have those opportunities. He's either going to be offside or he's going to put it wide. He snatches at things and. But to have maybe him off the bench is uh, is a joke. Interesting that um, Loftus-Cheek and Barkley didn't go out on loan or try and find another team. They want to try and fight for their position. But with so many games coming up and cups in Europe and whatnot, it wouldn't hurt to have a, a strong English core as well, which Tuchel obviously wants everyone to fight for their position. Is Saul going to be a successful signing for Chelsea? I think he's someone who they didn't need. He's good cover. Um, I don't think he's going to go and like become their their starting central midfielder, but I think he's just going to add to what they've got. So it's more class. If you, if saying, more yeah, class, I think if you're saying, are you expecting him to kind of come and set the Premier League alight? No. Are you asking him to kind of continue and perpetuate the good work that's being done? Then definitely. I was quite surprised to see that they went for him. Um, I mean, we know him as a quality player from Atletico Madrid. Um, and I suppose if you compare him to what they have already, he had something a little bit different. Um, he's maybe a bit more forward thinking than the likes of Jorginho and Kante. Um, and uh, he does offer a balance. He can do the, the dirty work in midfield if, if need be. Um, and he's a, a natural left footer as well. So mm. I think if he can adjust, then he could he can play next to anyone in their midfield and, and shine. And um, and he's going to be another creative outlet to help Lukaku score more goals. So I think yeah. if he settles in and, you know, he's got another Spaniard there in Alonso um, to kind of help him to settle. If he settles in, oh, and obviously uh, as for the equator as well. Um, so if he does settle in quickly, that he could be the difference maker in, into what helps Chelsea to cross the line and win the league. Mm. I think we've two. Chelsea are my favourites now. Yeah, yeah I'm my favourites. Oh, interesting. I think I think with Tuchel, he knows how to set up t- his team so they don't necessarily win against the big teams, but he'll nullify them and they won't lose if that makes sense. So everyone will be drilled. Everyone will be there. The ten men performance against Liverpool was, you know, was 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 amazing from a Chelsea just from sort of how everyone got behind the ball. And uh, it will be interesting when they play the, the the big games in the next few weeks, how, how they perform. Um, I saw an interesting clip where, um, uh, it was it, Silva threw himself at the ball. Um, Thiago Silva sort of dived in the ball to stop the ball. And you've got like a world-class defender sort of coming towards the end of his career, still putting his body on the line, defending Um getting a uh, clean sheet and they've got what it takes so Chelsea going from strength to strength right our last game of the weekend it's an interesting one it feels odd lads I don't know if you agree but not having a a midday kickoff not having three or four games on a Sunday we've gone back to the original one of one game shops being closed by six (laughs) 
not in London, 24 <laughs> hours where I am out in the States. But uh, one game today, and it's what a big game as well. Leeds and Liverpool. Uh, Ash told me, you know, Rafinha's back. Obviously, the uh, South American players returning from the whole hoo-ha with the FA and the um, Premier League and FIFA. FIFA. Um, but this should be an interesting game with uh, the fans definitely adding to the atmosphere. Um, Ash, obviously, with your family links with Leeds, you, you, can you see can you see Leeds getting a win or is it going to be a hard-fought draw? No, I think I said Liverpool win, but both teams score. I think the setup is going to be important as well. So with, with Leeds, they're always better when they play Phillips, Dallas and one other in midfield. Sometimes they play Click and Rodrigo and it's a bit too forward-thinking. When they put Stewart in there, he's not all that. Like I think you need Dallas, you need Calvert Phillips, and I'd go for Click for this game. Obviously, Rafinha on one side, Harrison's very good, and they bought Dan James as well, who I think they're gonna be looking to give quite a few minutes. So I think maybe Harrison, I see, has been the person who's most at risk of losing his place there. Um, Defensively, I don't think Leeds are that strong. I definitely think we're going to see at least a couple of goals from Liverpool. But going forward, Leeds have got such good players. Rafinha in particular is just, he's outrageously good. And I think, um, yeah, I think, I, think, I think we're going to have a close game maybe in the first half. Then I think the class of Liverpool will kind of see it through in the second half. Mm. Um, I'll go Jay and Cal for the last game of the weekend and then we'll move on to general news. Uh, what's your views on the Liverpool-Leeds game? Yeah, um, going to be exciting games. Liverpool quality team. Their front three is exceptional. Van Dijk is 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 back now. Alex uh, Trent is is around. Robertson. So I'm looking forward to to Liverpool's Liverpool um, resurgence because last season it wasn't really that great. And then Leeds always exciting to watch. You just don't know what was going to happen. So it's one of those games where what is it 4:30 kickoff? I'll make sure from about 4:15 that the kids are quiet and I'm, you know <laughs> in the front room going to watch the game. Looking forward to it. I think that Liverpool will will, will be, but I think it could be something like you know like 4-1. I think it's going to be really exciting. Ooh. Yeah, what, I, what, what I want is a bit of an upset I'm just a huge Rafinha fan and I just really want to see this guy have one of those performances you know where he takes the game by the scruff of the neck and I, I had a conversation on Twitter with someone saying uh, now that they've signed um, the young lad from United James um, we might see James coming into the team and then maybe Rafinha being moved into a different role because James likes to go out wide on the wing. So maybe you get Rafinha playing in behind the striker in a more central role, getting more time. We're, we're going to see. Um, if if that is the case, he could be a real major threat being like, you know, the person, as soon as they get the ball, they look for Rafinha and he's like in the centre of the pitch, can use his skills to beat players, can just turn quickly. He's got incredible tech as like his technique, like you can fizz that ball up to him bring that down no problem you fizz that ball into Pepe you see him doing some clumsy stuff <laughs> trying to juggle the ball <laughs> defenders winning it um, but no I hope that Leeds can do so I just think they're, they're a great advert for the Premier League uh, the way that Bielsa set them up to play attractive attacking football this could be like a 3-2 kind of game I think if, yeah. if, if Leeds are really on their game um, but with Liverpool I mean they're obviously one of the best um, Salah and Mane can just bang in a couple of goals each, can't they? Um, so, and then the way that Jot has come into the team now as well, that's more goals. Firmino, like, he's one of those guys you just never know, man. When he's 
on his game, he could score a hat-trick. Um, but more often than not, he'll just be popping up doing what Ben does, you know, just distributing little flicks and just passing it here, passing it there, you know. Um, so, hey, man, I think that's potentially the most exciting game of the weekend, man. That game's going to be cold. I'm looking forward to it. Appreciate the uh, appreciate the shout out, man. Appreciate the uh, the love, the flowers, the uh, the techers. Um, right, moving on. Uh, oh, on a side note, it was good to see Bamford get a start for international football, although they didn't really play to his strengths, didn't really do much. But um, should be interesting to see what he comes up today. Right in extra news, general news. Uh, first of all. Uh, condolences RIP to former France international Jean-Pierre Adams who died after 39 years in a coma uh, former France footballer Jean-Pierre Adams has been in a coma for 39 years died at the age of 73 uh, was admitted to hospital for knee surgery in 1982 but never regained consciousness after an error with his supply of anesthetic um, born in Senegal originally he made more than 140 appearances for Nice and also played for PSG um, really sad to see this and uh, this is not just on a football sort of level but on a humanitarian one just really sad that someone you know and his family have had to deal with this for yeah. For, for almost 40 years in the passing um, Ash do you want to expand on this at all yeah like it, I remember seeing the story and I was just like blown away not just by what happened but then to to be on that type of um, support for 39 years and only now that he's actually kind of it shows the fight in him it shows that like, what he was and that obviously his family were there so yeah just prayers and thoughts to the family um, and yeah I just hope that we never have to experience anything like this ever again mm-hmm. it's sad um yeah. And uh, in uh, other news with Health Pele, uh, awake in intensive care. Uh, I'm looking forward to playing again. The original GOAT, the, the young GOAT, uh, you know, age of 17, 18, uh, took the world by storm, still going strong as the face of, uh, you know, football when he'd go out and, uh, you know, give talks and whatnot. But he says, I'm looking forward to playing again, but I'm still going to recover for a few more days uh, as he recovers from intensive care after surgery to remove a tumour. Um you know, footballing legend. It's going to be a sad day when, you know, not to speak ill of him, but when he passes, I think, you know, as uh, more heroes of us start to get frail. Um, news of Pele getting better, better, which is positive, and we wish him all the best. Um, yeah, man. I don't know if uh, anyone wants to expand on that. No, all right. Full, full start to Pele. Full start to Pele and his family. Um <laughs> Just while we're at it on health, uh, we do hope everyone listening, you know, health is wealth, as they say. And uh, as you continue to sort of stay COVID free and washing your hands, if you choose to wear the mask, you just keep it, you know, just just being aware of your surroundings, whether you've had the vaccine, you haven't had the vaccine, you're for it. If you're for it, you're against it. I mean, everyone's entitled to their own views and beliefs but we just hope that you are staying safe out there that you're checking your health men that you're checking yourselves over you know what i'm talking about ladies you're checking yourselves over your mental health you're ringing your friends not just voice notes not just whatsapp call someone go for a walk clear your head you know put the cigarette down put the other stuff down put the booze down go for a walk this we promote uh mental health physical health and uh, i think it's getting more important as we are entering uh a few more years of our age shall we say i know i'm licking 40 at the end of the year so boy getting old getting old getting old so uh, everyone just stay safe as a little uh, little reminder yeah not to get not to, not to get too heavy 
Oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, right, moving on, moving on. Uh, unfortunately, there was more news of fans uh, during the international break and recently uh, this weekend receiving racial abuse. Uh, the first was over the England and Hungary game over in Hungary with uh, Carl Walker sort of making accusations that one of the Hungarian players um, complained about being racially abused. I know there was a big bust up just before half time. And then when Raheem Sterling, <clears throat> Raheem Sterling scored, uh, he was pelted with cups and, and monkey chants and abuse. And it's this uncalled for. And it's such a shame that this is still going on. And it seems as though we're talking about it every week. And I know Ash is going to sort of, and Cal have uh, obviously voiced their, not a concern, but sort of, you know, it's getting boring. We need to push on from this. So forgive me, lads, for sharing it. But, you know, the news is the news. Um, One point that did stand out, which was, you know, made for a good picture, was when Declan Rice picked up the cup and <laughs> sort of took a sip, took a, pretend to take a sip from it and, and threw it back to the crowd. But um, it's, it's a shame that this is this is still going after everything that has been done over the past few years. You know what I found was really a good point um, was what Southgate said after it. Um, and he said, let's not be so quick to go and like harangue uh, hungry when we still got our problems at home. And I think that's the look that it needs to be like societally, we have to deal with this issue. Like we, we speak about it literally every single podcast, but I think that was a very, very good reflection. And I think throughout the the, the issues that have been um, racism and, and, and oppressive language um, towards players of the English national team, Southgate has always found the right tone. Um, and the right kind of response. And I just want to really credit him for that. Mm. I mean, talking closer to home, there's news of Gavin Williamson um, apparently confusing Mario Itoje, the rugby union player, with Marcus Rashford. Yeah, Marcus Rashford. Which is, I mean, <laughs> come, on, come on, man. Like, lost, I'm lost for words there. Uh, the cabinet minister who was widely tipped for uh, demotion from as a long a long waited reshuffle uh some in westminster insiders think could take place on thursday uh he was asked by a newspaper if he had met marcus rashford the man united an england footballer who led the campaign on extending free school meals um and he said he met over a zoom and seemed incredibly engaged compassionate and charming but then he had to shoot off uh and there was you know got how these two i mean i don't know man this is this guy this guy what an idiot they're not even they don't look nothing like each other. What's he going on about? <laughs> I mean, just just the overall message is we just got to keep shining a light on on on, mm-hmm. on you know just challenging it, uprooting it where wherever it is really. And when you hear nonsense stories, we just got to just challenge. You know, I mean, I know it's a football podcast, but just discrimination in terms of the cricket and the the, the Taliban saying that the Afghanis can't, um, women can't play cricket. Again, it's just so much nonsense in the world. And we've just got to kind of just shine a light. The authorities just got to do what they, 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 they like really take a hold of this banned country. Mm. Um, you, know, you know, and we've just got to do more. And the more we keep talking about on, the, on this format uh, and formats like this, you know, we had a Channel 4 black out day essentially so you know little, little things like that is help, is helping so mm. yeah credit to you lot for for speaking about this as well yeah that was um just two things and then if the lads want to obviously 
continue the cut chat. Uh, Mario Toje and his dad were part of a really interesting program called The Talk, I want to believe, is it called? Um, and there was a, a, lots of celebrities and sports stars, British sports stars were, uh, and um, celebrities were spoken to about the concept of race and when they first had that talk about their identity or when they were you know when they first realized that they were black british people and uh, you know the the racism they faced in primary school or prejudice they faced uh growing up so i encourage everyone to watch that because it's fascinating and also the other one my mind's gone blank it was the second thing i was going to say oh i'm going to pass it on until i remember forgive me um yeah like no good just Segwaying on to Jason's point, like the um, the the black um, black out there in Channel Four was 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 great, and there's so many like, talented people that's doing things in sports in other environments as well. Um, it was great to see like a real like a cophony of people who are educated professors into real estate. Um, yeah, and I think these are these are these are big things that need to kind of continue. While that's about more as well, was just the background stuff around it. So it wasn't just about putting people on the or like on the screen. It was allowing people to be part of the process and actually designing the day and doing all the jobs that are behind the scenes. And I think even like with football and sports and stuff like that, it's really important that knowledge is shown not just about being a footballer but being a therapist being a nutrition being um the media manager being um the stadium announcer there's so many different roles that are so important and just like again that exposure and those opportunities should hopefully show that like in different positions we can still thrive and as a result change some of the narratives that are there I remember I wanted to talk about the Channel 4 thing yesterday, that it was good to see uh, programmes, presenters, adverts, and it was all centred around um, identity. And, and But what I was saying to some of my other friends is that it should be the norm. It shouldn't just be a one-off on a Friday TV. It should be everyday different TV programmes. you got like it or list it with the brother and sister who were the property developers you had you got motor comedian now doing big breakfast um yeah it should Countdown be the, as well. yeah it should be but it shouldn't just be okay let's let's celebrate it uh as a one-off it should be like every day the norm what's interesting you saying as well behind the scenes like the, mm. the, the runners the the sound mixing the script writers the you know, every, everyone and everything. The producers, yeah, the executive everyone. directors, like everything there looked different. And I think that's that's the key thing because we tend to see so many, we see faces for like a campaign. They'll bring in the, the black family, they'll bring in the, 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 the token or the representation, but true representation comes from the process behind it. And actually getting the thought process so it's not even that you think about oh and we need to bring in a black family just a black family is written into the story straight away that's the difference not rewriting it because we feel like we need to we need to be um give a form of equity the equity is in the thought process and i think once we get to that then we start to see a difference in terms of people's ideas moving forward well said cal you want to build on that for a move on or no no well said by ashton i think Okay, um, just a few more stories here. Unfortunately, we got uh, with alleged borough investigating alleged racist abuse of Colchester's George uh, League Two borough have launched an investigation aimed at an allegation that Colchester goalkeeper Samuel George was racially abused during Friday night's three-two victory at the Dunes Hotel Stadium, um, and also. 
uh, Dapo Afolayan, hope I said that right, Bolton Wanderers in Ipswich Town condemn abuse towards fo- forward. I mean, this is, I'm not, I'm not glossing over this, obviously, I'm just sharing the news, but like with anyone listening and as, as we do, if you hear people saying anything untowards, sexist, homophobic, racist, prejudice, call them out, call your friends out, call your work colleagues out. You know, it's just, uh, it's ongoing, man. It's ongoing and it's sad that we have to, this is being reported in the news and it's it's taking up more time. But um, I think we need to talk about these things and share it. So, yeah, yeah. I, I think just to kind of um, second what Jay was saying earlier, that it's really important that we continue to raise awareness and every little platform, every little initiative Every little institution doing things just continues to drive home that message that, you know, we're not going to stand for this, man. It's it's intolerable. It's not acceptable. Um, and so I appreciate like when you see all of these stories, I appreciate that all of these institutions, these great football clubs that we all know and love, they're all taking a stand. They're all doing something in their own way to make a difference. I still love that story of uh, Northampton University, how they, uh, you know, they kicked a student out of their course because they were found to be racially abusing somebody. It's like there's going to be serious implications now, um, and that message needs to be continually driven home. But also, I, I would kind of think, I'd like to think like we can maybe go one step further and try to try to find out why people keep doing this, man. Like, I don't know if we need to, maybe somebody gets caught and then we need to interview them and find out why you are, why are you doing this? And then just kind of like correlate answers with various different people who are guilty of racial abuse to find the reasons why they're doing it. And then maybe we can do something about the why and we can just put an end to this once and for all, you know? Mm. Education mm. is key. As, as we all know, having experience and history in education Right. As always, let us know your thoughts on social media uh, and emailing and just WhatsApp and just speaking to us as people do. Right. On a lighter note, uh, if I could say that, uh, Arsene Wenger, um, oh, how we miss you. Come back. You don't know what it's got till it's gone. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm only joking. I'm joking. Um, we've got Lego head instead. Now that hair. His, his hair don't move, does it, man? Like he's so Lego frantic. Head. He's, he, he's, <laughs> he's so frantic on the touchline. It's mad erratic. Like I thought Emery was bad, but Arteta's the... Anyway, moving on. Um, Wenger announces uh, sort of new World Cup plans. He says he's 100% convinced his plan for a new international match calendar based on a World Cup every two years is the best way forward for the game as a whole. He pro- he uh, proposes a biannual World Cup uh, in even years, uh, confederation tournaments, including the European Championship in odd years, either one in October or two October and March, mid-season international breaks for a month in total when qualifying for major tournaments will take place. Groups of four countries are uh, envisaged with a playoff of a maximum of seven matches, guaranteed rest periods for players once tournaments are over. And I think that last point we can all agree is so important. The rest period from international breaks is is necessary for players to get their maximum sort of output for their teams. Um, In the past, it's been evident that England have sort of been really affected from the intensity of not having a, a winter break and playing through Christmas period and then summer tournaments and European football and, and they've 
flagged at times. So uh, this is this is an interesting thing from Leprof. Cal, uh, I know you are a massive Wenger advocate. Uh, what's your views on his sort of ideas in moving uh, international football slightly? I am, I am a massive Wenger. I'm a child of Wenger. Wenger's my dad. Shout out to Pops. <laughs> and um, uh, I thought just popped into my mind because um, an alpha Wenger advocate is obviously going to be Patrick Vieira. And I was thinking it was actually a, a great piece of management that he, that he did recently. I know we've seen a good performance against Spurs, but yeah, he was reportedly having these players put in double shifts, like they were doing double training sessions. And there was an interview with Zaha and Edward after the game where they said, you know, they weren't enjoying it, but you're starting to see the results of all of this hard work. Um, so I just I just wanted to shout out Vieira for, you know, really putting his players through his paces and, uh, and, and reaping the harvest of all of that hard work. Um, with Arsene Wenger, this guy is literally a football genius and a visionary. So when he says something, I want to listen. Now, whenever there's change, people are always, you know, people are always resistant to change, right? We get stuck in your ways, you get comfortable, you don't really want to do the new thing. I mean, we've all had a World Cup every four years, our whole life. Um, how long has football existed? It's always been like that. But if you look into what he's saying, you know, he's saying what what he's going to do, what these changes are going to do is it's going to restructure the footballing calendar in a way that is beneficial for the game. Um, so, you know, I haven't read too much about, I couldn't tell you the ins and outs of what his proposals are, but it's literally to restructure the footballing calendar. So, you know, all of those little international friendlies that we get that kind of just come up in the middle of the season. We've just had an international break, haven't we? And for a lot of us, we kind of just switch off and we think it's unnecessary. And for some teams, they can pick up a good run of form. They can win a couple of games on the bounce. And then all of a sudden, players go away for international. They don't they don't play for a week or so. Um, so maybe taking some of those international fixtures out and having the World Cup happen every two years, maybe it is going to have a really positive impact on the game. And there's an article uh, in the BBC where Wenger, where they talk about Wenger's plans in more detail than what I've mentioned just now. And I think it, I think it could be a positive thing. I still need to look into it, to it a bit more to see exactly what the impact of it's going to be. Personally, I like the idea of having the World Cup every four years. Uh, I saw Peter Crouch commenting on it and saying, you know, it could take away from the prestige of having something that happens every four years. Like you look forward to it for three years and it's, it's such an exciting time. But then the counter argument to that was, well, the Premier League happens every year and there's no shine taken away from that, is there? So maybe, maybe, maybe it could work. Um, Ashley, thoughts on the uh, Wenger proposal? Do you, do you like the four year, like Kyle said, well said, Kyle, do you like the idea that it's every four years or would you like to see it sort of shortened? He's mute. He's on mute, isn't he? Let's unmute him. That's all right. No, oh, sorry, yeah, probably. sorry, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, sorry. Um, I I don't mind the four year stuff. Like, I think one of the one of the best inventions recently in international football was the Nations League like the quality of those games, the interest around it. So I'm I'm not against there being changes. I think what Wenger's proposing, considering the amount of money that's in the, um, the domestic game, will never happen. Um, and I think you've always got to factor in the business element of this stuff as well. Um, 
but yeah, I think it's not. It's not. He listen. Wenger's had some crazy ideas in it. Like it's not one of his craziest ideas. I just don't think it's really going to happen like that. And I like the fact that every four years, similar to the Olympics, every four years we have a World Cup. I feel like four years is a nice time. It's, mm. it's you can you can almost see like a generation come and go because you think about some of the World Cups that we've seen and and that we there's going to be there's there's a shift. And I think four years is enough time. I don't I, don't, I wouldn't want it any quicker than that. Nice. Um. I'm gonna go around just quickly off the off the top of your head. Can you name your m- most favorite? I think we might have done this before, so forgive me. But your most favorite World Cup ever? I'm gonna go with the obvious Italia '90. First one I remember: Pavarotti, Scalacci, Gaza crying. Uh Jay, what's your favorite World Cup ever? Oh, oh, '90, <laughs> I'll I'll probably say that's the first one. That I remember the real Ronaldo, his boots. Yes, um, that that haircut was it then? <laughs> no, no, that was a 2002 one. Oh, okay, yeah, my bad, yeah. That's right when he won the World Cup with with them. Uh, but yeah, like, like the Holland, the the orange of, of Holland, the first mm. Bergkamp, that the ball pass, Bergkamp. Oh. Yeah, yeah, probably 1998. Uh, yeah, magnificent. Good shout, good shout, greatest World Cup goal ever. Great shout, in my opinion, great shout. Um, Ash. Yeah, 98, bro. Like, 98. I think 98 allied with the Euros in, 20, 2000, in 2000 are the two best tournaments I've seen. And I actually put the Euros of of 2000 as the greatest international tournament of quality that I've ever seen. Ooh. Who won that, the Euros 2000? France. 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 Oh, they won in that dominant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, and Cal? Um, for me, the 2006 in Dortmund, just because I was there. So the experience of going to a World Cup is one that stays with me. I want to go to another one. I want to go to Qatar, man. <laughs> Good luck, mate. Your money is long. I definitely don't want to call them. I've got Christmas to pay for. Flipping off. <laughs> but no, that would be. Let me know how. You, let me know how it goes up. But that'll be good. But Cal's always uh, up for going for a. A game. We went to Wales, didn't we, for a, an Olympics football game. Do you remember that, Carl? Yeah, it was a long ass drive, but it was a good time, though. We missed the first half, and it was like South Korea versus. It was some dead game, but we had a good night anyway. Um, right, yeah, it's Olympic football. Yeah, I know, I know. It was banter. That was good. Uh, moving swiftly on. Uh, just quickly, shout out to Lionel Messi breaking Argentina's, uh, breaking Pele's international goal record. When Ronaldo breaks one record, Messi breaks another. He's breaking the South American record that Pele had set. Um, and you know, again, continue debates over who's the goat. Um, we could argue to the cows come home. I'm just conscious of time. Uh, Cal. I was going to mention about a futsal quiz, but we can we, we can do that next episode if you want, or we or we got Jay here. Uh, what's your thoughts on time, everyone? I mean, I'm, I'm still good to go. I can I can I can still talk. I can, I've got to go like five. Cal, do you wanna, what do you want to do? I don't mind running through this quiz real quick. So we've got the uh, the FIFA Futsal World Cup happening real soon. Um, so for those that don't know, futsal is like a a slightly modified version of football um and this is obviously an international tournament um so i thought it'd kind of be a cool thing to do to just like kind of uh, give you guys a, a little futsal quiz and see how much people actually know about futsal because i don't think it's that much of a mainstream tournament but 
if you watch futsal games, you're just going to see skills, skills, skill. It is really, it's a really fun thing to watch. Mm. Um, so, yeah, let, let's fire through a quick couple of questions. I don't expect everyone to answer this because, to be honest with you, I didn't know the answers to all of these questions until I, I bloody looked up doing this quiz. So, let's just see. Um, so, first question, how many players are on each futsal team? Um, let's start with Jason. Well, like on the pitch, like at one time. Yeah. So, you know, in football, we've got 11 versus 11. Cool. All right, then. I'm going to say four. Jason's gone four. Ben? I'm going to say two, three, four. Five. I'm going to say five, including goalie. Yeah, five. Five. Ash? I'm going to go five. It's gone five. Correct. It is a five-a-side game. So Ben and Ash are correct there. Jason just missed out. Um. So they use the same balls in football. In futsal, do they use exactly the same balls that they would use in football? Jason. No, I think they're small and heavier. I want to say smaller and heavier. Maybe like side three. Um, so you're saying no, uh, Ben? Uh, yeah, yeah, no, they're definitely smaller and heavier, and I don't think they bounce or they they don't do much. Ash? Yeah, same. I know. I've seen a football football before. Yeah, they are actually size four, so pretty close on the um on the actual size of the ball there, Jay. Um, Bonus point. <laughs> maximum okay, points. No, but they're definitely there. heavier. They're definitely heavier as well because they don't bounce the same way. That's what I said. Yeah, I had a kid at my sc- in my one school I worked at, and he was a, he played for a futsal team, and in the playground, could not get the ball like the, I could. Obviously, I just barged him out of the way, but um, <laughs> safeguarding. That's going to say safeguarding lead. Not when you're the safeguard lead. <laughs> that's why I'm in primary to get off the ball. Um, I'm joking. I didn't. I didn't barge him. I, I two footed him, broke his leg. Third question coming up here. We've got eight questions, so I'm not too long to go. Uh, <laughs> how long is each half in futsal? How long is each half in futsal? 45 minutes in the regular football game. How long is each half in a futsal game? Jason? 25. Damn, I was going to say, like, I'm going to have to rethink my answer. I was going to say 12, but I'll say tw- I'll say uh, 20 minutes a half. 20 minutes a half. I was going to say 30. I was going to say 25, but just to make it interesting, I'll say 30. 30. And Ben is correct. It is a 20-minute half. Oh, yes, Ben. <laughs> yeah, that was a guess as well. I was I was really going to go lower, but when you said 25, I thought, oh, actually. Um. So uh, how many subs are allowed in futsal? I'm going to I'm going to reverse the the order now cuz Ash has had a bit more time to think than everyone else on the first few questions. <laughs> How many subs are allowed in football? So Ash. Two. Uh Ben, how many subs are allowed in football? I feel that this is a trick question and it is rolling subs. Rolling. Unlimited as well. Rolling, like, rolling. So. Yeah, rolling like unlimited like you can come on, come off, come on, come off. I think yeah. two. Uh and you guys are correct. Unlimited subs in futsal. So another point for Jay and another point for Ben. Um, 
when was the first Futsal World Cup? Ash, let's go. When was the first ever Futsal World Cup? Is this as old as football itself? Or is this quite a new addition to... Can I just pick a, a, a decade, like the 80s? Um... All right, then, because that's easy. That's a, it's a pretty tough question to guess. <laughs> so, go on, yeah, I want to say the 80s. Give him a year. Go and have a bonus point for a year or something. All right, go on, then. If you get the exact year, you get a bonus point. So, you've got well, it's four years, right? So, if it's 2021, I'm going to say... Let's say 87. Um, ben? Does that even work? Or 89? I'm going to say... You gotta choose um, one answer, Ash. You can't be on the fence. No, I'm trying to work out the numbers. So twenty says so that one. Yeah, say eighty-nine. Eighty-nine. Okay. Um, I'm gonna say probably it's something that I reckon it would have come into like maybe late seventies. It sounds like a funky thing that would have come into the late seventies. So I'm gonna say late seventies, and I'm gonna say seventy-six, uh, if that makes sense. Thing and Jason. I agree with you, but I think it's the 70s. Like, um, I'm going to go... No, nah, you know what? 1980. There we go. 1980. 1980. Oof. Literally on the turn of the 80s there. Um, it's actually Ash who got the, the decade. Oh. Well, both Ash and Jason got the decade, right? But Ash got the exact year <laughs> in 1989 and everything. So he gets the bonus point. I respect my team. Respect my team. Mazor. Guessed it, you know. Well done. Oh no! Right? Did you guess it, or were you looking on your phone? He was trying to work out. No, I'm good. I guess. No, you know what it was. I was no, oh, no. Oh, seriously, why did carry the two, add the one, all the triangles? <laughs> hey, hey, at the back of the at the back of the socks, on the line, my feet are out. No, you know what it was. I was trying to work out when, because if it's if it's 2021, then obviously every four years you have to work out whether it's 87 or 89. So then I realised it was 89. So I was just proper doing. Like oh, countdown a rhythm. Quick match. So uh second to last question here. The penultimate question of the quiz. Who are the current world futsal champions? We're gonna start with Ash. Who is the current world champions in futsal? I'm gonna say Brazil. Ash thinks Brazil won the last futsal world cup. What are you saying, Ben? See, I thought it was gonna be South American, but I'm thinking maybe it might be a that it might be a Eastern European, it might be someone random. So I'm going to say Holland. Anybody can play ball. That's the thing, right? Anybody? Iran. No, Holland. Holland. Iran. <laughs> Iran. <laughs> hey, shout out to Ali Karimi though. I think he was an Iranian baller. He played for Bayern. He was sick. But um, yeah, Jason, who's the current world football? Argentina. Argentina. Now you said that with authority. <laughs> <laughs> he knows. He's got open. No, no, I ain't, I ain't, I ain't, I ain't. I just, I just, I don't think it's Brazil because that could be two baits. I'm just going Argentina. It is Argentina. Oh. Argentina. Uh, so this is the last question. We're going to go with Ben first. I think um, I'm losing. I need to pull this out of the bag. Ben first, Jason next, and then Ash at the end. Uh, so this is the last question. Which nation, which futsal nation has the most world titles? If you want to guess the number, we'll give you a bonus point for that as well. Which nation has the most world titles? So how many has there been? So 89. 12. I'm going to say, as you said, Argentina were the champions. I'm going to say Argentina and I'm going to say 
I'm going to say five, if that's possible. Yeah, it is. Five. Argentina, five. And Brazil. Brazil, six. Brazil in six. Well, there's only been nine World Cups, so I'm going to say Brazil. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'm going to say Brazil, and I'd say four. Well, you guys will be happy to know that it is Brazil. And it is five. Brazil has won five world titles. Nah, Jason done his research. So that means that all three of you guys scored a point because Ben got the number right, so he gets the bonus point. And both Jason and Ash got the nation right, so you both get a point for that. So just to do the totals now... Drum roll. No, not drum roll. What, what's like foot, foot, futsal's like sexy Brazilian samba, like uh, <laughs> still pans or something. <laughs> Nando's bathroom music. <laughs> I haven't been Nando's in the longest. But just while Cal's doing the points, my cousins, because I got um, my cousin married a Colombian and, and their, their children are like half Colombian, obviously. So in South London, there's a big futsal community in around Brixton and South London so all my South Americans if you're listening big up and all the futsal massive like there are some real ballers mate so big up all the South American futsal I I hope to go one day and show man how it's done (laughs) not (laughs) slow English slow English centre mid is rolling up (laughs) you guys are never going to believe this it is a tie. Everybody scored exactly five points. So give yourselves a, a round of applause. That is absolutely phenomenal. Five points each. Wow. Wow. You couldn't have. That's good. You need a. You need a. You need a. Like a sudden death. Yeah. We share it. Sudden death. Um, so I've got to oh, randomly let's, come let's up. No, let's end like that, end like that, because of time. Do you remember the guys, the, the high jumpers, the guy from yeah, yeah, um, Qatar yeah, yeah, and the guy yeah. from uh, Italy? They just both went, all went through and won two golds. No, I'm on yeah. that, I'm on that. No, no, I like that, I like that. It just kind of shows that, you know, everybody on the podcast is on their football and futsal game. Um, so uh, for anybody out there that is really interested in futsal, definitely go and check out the tournament. Um, the games are kicking off this weekend. Um, it's actually hosted in Lithuania, which uh, I can say I went, I went to myself. I went to the, uh, the KMK Arena. Um, which is actually for basketball, but, you know, with the indoor style of futsal, you know, that they can adapt to, to playing on that surface. I think it's going to be a fantastic tournament. I'm looking forward to seeing some of the ballers, you know, some of the Argentinians and the Brazilians and some, some crazy skills, man. I think Falcao used to do some bits on Twitter. You can see some goals. Falcao was doing um, some ridiculous goals. Some ex, ex-legends, uh, or not even, like legends, ex-players, sorry, I think can still ball. But um, no, thanks, Cal, for organising it. Um, yeah, thank you, Jason, as our guest. Thank you, J-Bob, really appreciate it, as always, for coming on. Uh, thank you very much, man. As I say, I listen to the podcast um, every two weeks, and it's just great to just be on it. Keep up the good work, man. Honestly, you lot are doing some amazing stuff out there. Thank you. Thank you, really appreciate it. And um, Ash, as always, thank you, man, for... Just bringing the flair. <laughs> this is Ash the flair. Mr. Festival. Yeah. Mr. Mr. Festival, Brunch. Festival 
Mr. Brunch. I don't do brunches, bro. Don't you? You look like the type that no. do brunch. No, we should do a brunch. We should do a beer wrap and banter play on brunch. Yeah, let's do it. Definitely, do it. definitely, definitely. Get the Bloody Marys out and all of that. Oh. You drink Bloody Mary, Cal? I did it once. I think I did it as a commemorative drink to uh, kind of like to commemorate the fallen people. I think it was uh, in the 7th of July uh, terrorist attacks and just drinking a Bloody Mary for that. But I don't think I'll be drinking it for a pleasurable experience, mate, because that is literally like pepper soup. <laughs> Cold pepper soup. Yeah, that's soup. long for, man. That is yeah, it is. Have a bit of celery in it. Um, <laughs> and as always, thanks, Cal, for organising the notes, getting the futsal quiz going and everything. So, as always, thank you. Don't forget, hit us up at Podcast Play On, at Beer at Bants, like subscribe share let us know how you're feeling in the show and as always take care have a good week enjoy the rest of the week goodbye